Um, I'm going to start today by reading the first four lines from the Tao. Um, and we'll come back to them later, but just to sort of bring these first four lines into our space together. So the Tao that can be told is not the eternal Tao. The name that can be named is not the eternal name. The nameless is the beginning of heaven and earth. The named is the mother of 10,000 things. There's a lot there, friends. <laughs> and I think that it really um, immediately drops us into the complexity that this day is for many of us. Normally on Mother's Day, I give kind of a big rant about how it is my least <laughs> favorite Hallmark holiday. Um, I find it to be sort of lonely and a lot of pressure as a single mama for me and my kids. And my mother and I's relationship is very complicated. And so there's pressure. It's just like this heightened sort of like tight feeling. It's like putting on a shoe that doesn't fit. And you're walking around in it all day feeling sort of like, man, I can't wait to take this thing off. Um, and this year I decided to really sit and I've been doing this for the last couple of days, like walking and sitting and reading and researching and considering what it is, um, why the energy of mother is so complex. And right from the get go here, I would like to unwind the, um, energy of mother from any sort of gender paradigm. Um, we all have the energy of mother inside of us <laughs> and we all came from mother and, um, live because we are supported right by the ultimate mother, which is this earth, um, which has a lot of lessons to teach us, which we'll talk about a little bit today. And so I know that it's, hard um, to unwind the energy of mother for many of us from sort of the, the way in which we've been cultured to identify it as being sort of um, an only feminine energy. But I, I just would like to encourage us all to think a little bit broader and outside of the box about what the energy mother is for all of mother is for all of us, right? Um, because it's so big <laughs> that it contains both the energy of the life field and the death field simultaneously, right? As one thing begins, another thing ends in the same moment, even in the energy of mother. Um, and there is nothing more personal really than that and universal than the energy of living and dying. Um, and there's nothing more personal than the energy of creating and birthing something, right? Of expressing something from you, birthing something into the world, no matter what it is. Um, and what is more personal than being able to hold the tension between both life and death, right? Between the life and death field in one body. Um, so in mother, we have both the archetype of, um, 
rejection, right? And expelling forth. Even in the energy of creation, there is both the archetype of rejection and then also the archetype of nurture, right? Of wanting to take care of the baby bird, you know, that we have created, whatever it is. Um, And the mother lives in all of us. It's the beginning of each of our archetypical stories. Um, It's an archetype that lives in all of us no matter what. Even if you've never thought about it before, it's living inside of you. And the mother, um, right, the mother is like giving, right? It gives forth, right? Yet there's also the energy. Just think about your relationship with anything that you've created in this life, right? Whether an art project, um, a meal, um, a business, um, a poem, a music, a song, like anything that you've birthed into this life, a child, right? has that energy of you've given, but then there's also the energy of taking and the energy of mother. And um, the mother wants to set free, yet also sort of grasps and pulls back. (laughs) Um, The mother creates, right, and births, and yet also wants to keep things the same and prevent growth. Like, oh, I made this thing. Let's have it be the same forever. I feel so proud that I made it because we start to identify, right? Our own identity gets wrapped up in the thing that has been birthed. Um, And it is the ultimate, the energy of mother is the ultimate yin and yang simultaneously, right? Um, It's the light and dark working together simultaneously. And we see this um, in many of the stories of yoga with the goddesses, that there is a distinct darkness and a distinct lightness that are at work simultaneously in all of the stories, right? Um, And in this way, this capacity to hold both, the mother holds, I think, um, And it has been directly my experience in this life, which we'll talk about a little bit, because when we get down to the most personal stories, it ultimately draws us into, I have a quote I'll read to you in a moment, it it ultimately draws us into what is the most universal, right? Um, And so I feel that there's something in this capacity to hold the duality of life that is the secret, the key to unconditional love, um, to hold the complexity of both, that there's some sort of way in which when we can unlock that, that it's okay to hold both, right? That there's nothing wrong or bad about it, that then we're birthed into liberation in this new way where there isn't that giving and taking and grasping and not wanting to change um, and pride Right. Um, And mm, it's interesting because the I think about the actual act of birth, right, which is where we all came from. Um, It is so much so a creation of life and then a death of something in the exact same moment. For me, at least, my experience of giving birth was really a giving over to the possibility of death, right, in all ways. Um, And also 
my life as it had been before died and no longer was ever the same. Once I birthed that thing into my, that thing, my, my kid Veda out into the world, I'm really working on, um, her on the working with the pronouns of when I speak about Veda using they, them. So I appreciate you all being patient with me on that. I spoke with Veda about it the other day and they were like, mom, you try so hard. <laughs> and I was like, I know I really do. Um, <laughs> so, you know, there's this creation that happens, but then also the death of what was simultaneously. And we see this mirrored in nature all of the times, my friends. The forest is both, if, if you've walked even in the park, this is happening, you know, but the forest is both alive and dead simultaneously. There's always something dying and there is always something being born, no matter what season it is. It's always happening. It's constantly intertwined. And the sea is the same way, right? Um, we have this mirrored so perfectly, this mother energy in nature. The sea is the same way. When a whale dies and sinks to the bottom, it becomes the death of this whale, this carcass of the whale, becomes this ultimate life force for so many other things that live in the sea. They even think that maybe sharks go down there to do their um, mating process, right? But it is this like becomes this huge blooming of life simultaneously in the midst of death, um, which is so beautiful. It's all entangled and mysterious and real and like tangible, you know, um, this mother energy. And even a mountaintop gives us the grace of this widened perspective and yet reminds us how perilous our life is simultaneously. Right? You can't live up there. You can come here and have the grace of this beautiful, wide perspective, but you can't live on the mountaintop. Nothing grows there. And so you have to come down. Life is fragile. Life is perilous. It is short. Um, so, so it's Thayard who said, the most personal is the most creative. The most personal is the most creative. Right. I would also say the way I've heard Richard Rohr say it is the most personal is the most universal, right? So if you go all the way through the muck of the stories, you get to the universal. It's not personality, it's personhood, true self, right? You hit upon the universal when you get down to the very most personal thing inside of you. So I'll just tell you a couple of um, things. I think of my friend of ways in which these two fields, the life field and the death field, exist simultaneously. I think of my friend who just lost her mother, and this is her first Mother's Day without her. And in their relationship, as it is with many of us, there was a deep pain, right, that coexisted with kindness and this like epic love that they had together. And it all existed inside their relationship all at once. Um, and it never, uh, neither source seemed to ever run dry for them, even as her mother has passed. And lately when we've been talking about it, she said, it feels so confusing, <laughs> right? <laughs> to have both, 
an existent all existence all at once. And I think that that's part of it is that we want to so hard to make meaning and to make sense of, of this, right? Um, and that's when we can turn back toward nature, right? Back towards the forest, back towards the ocean, and just be with the expansive nature of it all being able to coexist and intermingle. But that that's why this day feels complicated, right? Because it is the most complicated energy I can possibly think of. <laughs> and the biggest one. Um, I think of my friend who cannot stop creating, right? He's just this like prolific artist who creates, 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 um, and yet never feels prolific enough, right? Um, never feels enough when you get down to it, right? To that sort of like universal ache that exists in all of us, that imposter syndrome that we feel sometimes. And the creating in and of itself cannot lead to a feeling of wholeness. That's only half the story, right? The output is only half the story. Um, there's the willingness to birth it, and then there's the vulnerability in knowing that we have to let it go, that it's not ours anymore, that we have to let it die. And that when we can merge those two things skillfully and be awake to that energy, um, that then we get down to what we really are, right? That question of like, who am I really? I am not my output. I am not what I create out into the world, which is a tough thing to say, right? Because a lot of us are super attached to our output, aren't we? I am. <laughs> I was blessing this room today, walking around with a little bit of smoke, right? And just like creating a protective circle for us. And I laughed at myself because I often come back to the prayer from the Course of Miracles. What would you have me do? What would you have me say? What would you have me, uh, where would you have me go, right? Um, and I messed up the order, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> I'm on camera, I got nervous. Um, and I was just, you know, saying that to myself and then it was like, oh my gosh, but then I care simultaneously so much about doing well, right? And providing an experience for you all that feels good and whole and connected in this time when it feels so hard to connect. Um, and then I just laughed because I'm like, it's both, right? It's knowing my power and knowing who I am and knowing my offering and then also just surrendering it up simultaneously and knowing that it doesn't matter and hoping Right, that the universe can speak through me made me laugh. Um, okay, and then I think of um, my own, and you might be thinking of stories. That's the invitation here: is to think of your own relationship with this mother energy. Right to go back to the Tao, the named is the mother of ten thousand things. Right, you're starting to see how maybe in all this complexity that might be true, right? So I think of my own blossoming really into a love that I did not know was possible because I had never experienced it in this life myself. It makes me like sad for my child self. But when I had my my baby, when I had Veda, when I was, she was three months old, I was 22. 
and I saw nothing, right, but love reflected back at me. And um, A Course in Miracles said, says that, um, it says, the sick must heal themselves, for the truth is in them. Yet having obscured it, the light in another mind must shine into theirs because that light is theirs, right? So Veda shined the light from them into me and I saw my own light, right? And that was Veda's gift to me as a baby. And then it blossomed in me this like spring of love, that hasn't run dry yet, you know, that hasn't run dry yet. Um, and what fascinates me is that what I was missing my whole life, right, that suddenly arose after having a child um, is now what I'm able to give so freely, right? And so it's from that own wound, that death field, and moving all the way through it right, all the way through from the personal to the universal, that then many of us are able to be in the role of um, gift giver, of healer, of shining the love back toward another person, right? And I think of my own mother who lost a child the year before I was born and was in such a state of... um, grief, right, and feelings of wanting to harm herself, and, um, you know, just like the ultimate heartache, right, one of the um, most complex heartaches, right, of the mother energy (laughs) Um, is to lose the thing that you have created when you're not ready, right, it's very painful, so I was born into that field of grief, And my mother never could fully attach to me um, or love me in that full, wholehearted way. just wasn't possible. We talk about it now. It's amazing. I haven't even told you all about it. Um, And yet, coexisting with that, my mother wants to control everything I do (laughs) and make sure I'm safe and like, wants me to call her when I drive like an hour away <laughs> so she knows I got there okay and to micromanage. Like in my childhood, it was so much micromanaging, coexisting with this lack of fullness of love, which was very confusing as a child and has taken me years of therapy to work out, right? Um, but it was because like at the universal part of her, right, the part that was attached and um, does love me so much, right, but wasn't able to like sort of express it, um, expresses itself sort of in this way, um, this sort of dysfunctional way through fear, right? And so that coexists um, in her. And I think of how it's taken me years to be in that space with her that is only, um, it's really recent loves. It's, it's, I thought that I was there and then you know how you think you're there and you're like, oh no, I get it. And it's a um, an understanding that is sort of here out in front of you and you can see it 
you can sort of like stick your tongue out and taste it. But then when it really integrates into you, you're like, oh no, now I'm here. And it is only recently through talking about this, her explaining what it felt like really early on to mother me, how disconnected she felt, right? And hearing her speak those truths so vulnerably, getting down to that personal, that I was able to be in the field of love with her with no blame, no expectations, right? Just pure compassion, right? Her pain, right? And us in the field of love, my pain as a child who was neglected, (laughs) coexisting, right? Also in the field of love with us, all of it together in the soup, just like the forest. Um, And that's how expansive it is, that the pain and the love can coexist. The death field and the love field and the life field can coexist together. And this is part of the mystery, right? Um, And so we can look again to nature. um, And the forest is not like, oh, that tree died. It's bad. There's no naming. There's no labeling. It just is. There's this acceptance, this like huge energy of acceptance. It's why the forest feels so lovely to be there. Um, mm, the Gospel of Mary Magdalene, there's the Gospel of Mary Magdalene, did you know? Says all of nature with its forms and creatures exist together and are interwoven with each other. They will be resolved back, however, to their own proper origin, for the compositions of matter return to the original roots of their nature. Mm. That's beautiful. So the inquiry becomes for us, um, how are we resisting the grace of this mother energy, right? The fullness of this mother energy. How are we resisting um, holding life in negative, life in negative, (laughs) that's a way of saying it, life and death simultaneously, right? Like the forest does. How are we pushing it away? And when we are able to rest back, this is, this is why this practice works, right? These contemplative practices where we talk about this big stuff and we sit and we, um, We sit for no reason, right? With no, like we talked about in the very beginning, with no expectation for outcome. We just sit because we sit, because we have a practice. We get on the mat and move just because we're getting on the mat to move, right? Um, And it's in those times where we can touch into that largeness that exists in each one of us and realize our own expansive capacity for love. I've said this a thousand times, and I will say it a thousand more. There's nothing you need to do. There's nothing you need to say. There's nothing you need to be, right? To be worthy of love in this life. Love is your birthright just because you exist. Just because you exist, right? And we can be in that field, that soul field, in our own largeness. It's a lot easier, Right, to be with a mother of 10,000 things. Hmm. 
I'm going to read that Tao, those first four lines of the Tao one more time. And then we'll finish and I'll pop back and see if there's questions. The Tao that can be told is not the eternal Tao. The name that can be named is not the eternal name. The nameless is the beginning of heaven and earth. The named is the mother of 10,000 things. <sighs> okay, lovebirds, I just care for you so much. Um, 